Gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we bow our heads and open our hearts and say to you, we are so grateful for Jesus, the, the Savior of the world, but not just Savior of the world, but our Savior personally, in that we have someone we celebrate who's not dead, didn't just die, but actually rose again, more powerful than death itself. And so may you be honored as we learn more about Jesus and revere him all the more and celebrate him all the more. Because not only is he risen, but he lives to intercede for us. And he will be our, our soon coming king for us. May we be people who not only believe you of great faith, but may we be people who also follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. So why did he do it? That'd be the great question. Why did he do it? And the simple answer is John chapter 3, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why did God do it? Because he loves you and me. And he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. It's just that simple. That is Christianity in a verse. Here in 1 Corinthians 15, look down at verses 3 and 4. The apostle Paul restates it having all this happened he says for i received from the lord what i'm i'm passing on to you it's that jesus christ he says this is of first importance this is top drawer stuff that jesus christ died for our sins according to the scriptures exactly the way it was predicted hundreds of years earlier that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures jesus christ died not for any other reason but to save us from our sin don't ever miss out on that it's not that he just came and lived a great life and came and was a great example and came and was a great teacher and healed some people it's it's those are all true and they're all great things they are not the greatest of the great that what is of first importance is that jesus christ died for our sins and the proof of his death is that he's buried and the proof that he's risen is that then he is seen by the crowd and then he leaves and then he goes back to the father in heaven and he says i'm going to give you another comforter and jesus leaves the mark in us and that mark is that we are truly changed forever jesus what mark did he really leave one historian from yale university by the name of juris of pelican wrote it this way regardless of what you may personally think or believe about him Jesus of Nazareth has been the most dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible, I love this, if it were possible with some sort of supermagnet to pull out of history every scrap of metal uh, that has his name on it, how much would be left? Isn't that a great question? And the historian says, not much. Why? Because he has left his mark everywhere. He has left his mark everywhere he has rocked our world but sometimes we're so close to the trees we don't back up to see the woods and so when you fly over it you back away from it that you could fly over it you get some real perspective because jesus even affects our days and our times today is april 1 2018 2018 since what since jesus Author Tony Evans put it this way, Jesus is the unique, one-of-a-kind person in all of history. His appearance on earth was so monumental in history that it divided B.C. to A.D. Some of you say, I didn't even know that. That's right. He is the turning point to our calendars. 
You can't date, you can't sign a check. Some of you don't know what a check is. But you, you can't sign a check, you can't sign a document without writing the date and realizing it's been 2,000 years since the coming of Jesus. Before Jesus came, here's how they would date things. If you remember this from Luke chapter 2, actually, how many of you read the Bible? You know this, that's the Luke story of the birth of Jesus. The rest of you know this as the Snoopy Christmas story where Snoopy tells the story. In those days, Caesar Augustus, when Quirinius was governor, you remember that? And you go, wow, Snoopy is smart. You know, he got that from the Bible, actually. If that's how they would date things. It would be who was king, what did the town, what was it called, who owned that, you know, what was the property, where were the property lines, where was the river, where was the boundary. That's how they dated things. And then in 6th century, they began to say, you know what, it's been 500 years since this man named Jesus. And ever since then, we have dated ourselves with the coming of Jesus. His loyal followers saw him as not only king of kings, but lord ultimately of all the lords. And today, it is 2018, because it's been 2018 years since this man changed our world. It's not just dates and times, though. It's also places and stories. You can't look at a map without seeing Jesus on it. He shows up everywhere. You go to the West Coast, there's a San Francisco. And um, there was a man named Francis years ago who followed Jesus. On the East Coast, it's Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, or tries to be. But we name our city, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Joe, all after people who were followers of Jesus. Bethlehem, there are no fewer than 20 Bethlehems in the U.S., just in the U.S., no fewer than 20 Bethlehems. Bethlehem, Maryland, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Tennessee, Bethlehem, Arkansas, Bethlehem, Texas, Bethlehem, Ohio, and the list keeps going. Why? Because there was one little village where Jesus was born, and people loved even that little village where the angels announced his birth and where Joseph and Mary went. He left his mark on on the world, and he's leaving his mark on us. Just to the south of us is St. Mary's County with St. Mary's City. You could go there. It's a wonderful little town to visit for a day. And uh, that was where the first communion in the U.S. was, St. Mary's City. Why is it called St. Mary's? Because there was a Mary who loved and followed Jesus. And of course, to the north of us, there is a, a Waldorf. <laughs> Why is there a Waldorf? We have no idea. Probably because they're tired of being called Beantown. But anyway, Jesus marks the map. You cannot look at a map for very long. And by the way, if you could go even further with just terms like Bethesda's and Bethlehem and Antioch and, and like Salem, Oregon. Salem is a Jewish name for shalom. It's the word peace. It's a, there's biblical literature all throughout the U.S. If you don't believe, just go this afternoon. Go into D.C. and look at the monuments. Look at the names of God uh, in stone. It's everywhere. It is our days and our times. He marks that. He marks our times and our places. He even marks our symbols and art. The instrument of death is the cross, and yet it's become the most recognizable symbol in all of the world. It marks graves and adorns more jewelry than any other symbol in history. This man changed our world. It was Jesus' influence in the lives of musicians 
that brought us Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus, all the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, all of it is signed with the phrase, to the glory of God. I might even add, it isn't just ancient. My favorite gospel team, Three Dog Night, sang Joy to the World. <laughs> Maybe for you it was the Doobie Brothers, Jesus is just all right with me. Now, Ernest, where are you <laughs> when I need a good song? Whether it's a huge, beautiful chapel or a small piece of art, you can't get away from the influence of Jesus. And by the way, some of you right now are going, he mentioned the Doobie Brothers in church. You know what? Even, he, Jesus even affects the very places you would think that Jesus would not go. He even touches the lives of, of people who are close and far from him. In fact, maybe those who are far from him are touched more than those who are close because they think they're close when they're really out of touch. All of us have been under the influence of this man who has touched and really rocked and marked our lives. You can set aside his, uh, his claims to deity. You can set aside his miracles, which are very provable, his profound teaching. Uh, the work of the cross, which in and of itself is a miracle. By the way, those are all within the scriptures, and I believe them all, but maybe you're not there quite yet. You're in a good place today. But you cannot deny that he changed all of human history. He touched every corner of our lives and left an indelible mark. And yet you ask, who is he? And I, who study this daily, I still ask that question as I marvel at the work of Christ and, and this transcendent glory, the, the pre-planning. We'll look at this next week when we realize the gospel wasn't a, a Johnny-come-lately idea. No, God had planned this from ages past. And it, this, is, this goes back to Genesis and weaves its way all throughout the Old Testament. It's just that we see it born in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus comes to earth. All the symbols and art and all of it together, uh, they all point to Jesus. Even our names and heritage. It was G.K. Uh, Chesterton who put it this way. The person who's best known of uh, who is best at knowing who Christ is is the one who's really close, but the next best person to know Christ is the one who might be far away because they get a better perspective. So even if you stand at a distance and you back away so you can see the woods, get away from the trees so you can see the woods, without even addressing that Jesus was the greatest social reformer the world has ever known, he affected more about how we communicate, how we treat other people. And typically, when a person dies, his legacy begins to fade. That's the reason empires, when they're built, they build buildings, put their names on them, they build towers and pyramids. They want something to outlast them so people will not forget them. That's why Caesars do what they do in Nero's, and they make out a business, not just to create their name for now, but to create a legacy for 100, 200, 300 years from now. And yet when Jesus died, his legacy was just beginning. He became more popular in first century and even more in second and even more in third. That's why today, even today, we have children. We name them Mary and Martha and Peter and James and John. And who are those people? Those are the names of people who became Jesus followers. And we name our children those names. 2,000 years later, the legacy doesn't go away. And we name our dogs and pizza parlors, Caesar and Nero. 
The influence of Jesus just does not go away. If your name is Caesar Nero, I'm sorry. His, his influence just does not go away because he changed our world. Every people, every, every color, every shape, every size, that's the church's song. And where else can you go and find a group so diverse where there's rich and poor and educated and those educated by life who are all welcomed and embraced? Never has there been a community like this. John Orberg puts it this way, never has there been the idea of a community quite like this. I like that. Not even the idea of a community like this. Because the Jesus followers found what Galatians 3 says. When you're a follower of Jesus, it just doesn't matter who you are because Jesus is Lord. So it doesn't really matter that there's Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ. He affects even our names and our heritage. And while you carry a heritage with you, you are a Christ follower when you trust him. That is the richness of the eternal heritage. But that's not all. Even our values and compassion seem to be touched by him. No one influenced the world for good quite like Jesus did. His life greatly changed the movement of nations, Bill Bright writes. Jesus shaped the way we think about compassion. We've all had the, the, a tendency or a moment of compassion, but when Jesus comes into our life, we really sense true compassion. Rome, which was rich in power, and wanted power to rule, they would get rid of their babies that weren't useful to them. One first century historian put it this way, we drowned little children at birth, the weak, the deformed. We drowned them. And there were one million, in, in that day, one million little girls born for every 1.3, 1.4 little boys born. Why the disparity? Rodney Stark, a sociologist and church historian, tells us this disparity was because little girls were not wanted. And so they were abandoned. And yet it was the followers of Jesus who, who remembered the words of Jesus, let the little children come to me. They took in the little children. They took in the unwanted. And, and it was the church. It, that's where the founding of the first orphanages were. Widows were considered a drag on the economy. It was quite insulting to outlive your husband. I love that line. It's quite out. My wife and I decided we're going to die on the same day. While taking a nap, just forget to wake up. Yes. But think about it. Widows are left, and then they were cast aside, and the Jesus followers took in the widows, remembering what Jesus had said on the cross to his buddy, take care of my mother. Starks reports that there were epidemics when a third of the population would die, and bodies were tossed into the street. Dead bodies were tossed into the street, but then they began to toss sick bodies into the street as if they were dead. And it was the assembly of the followers of Jesus that went out and picked up the sick and brought them back to health because Jesus touched lepers and dealt with the sick. And it was the church that started the very first hospitals. The wellness centers were attached to churches. That's why when you drive through large cities, you'll see hospitals called St. Jude and Good Samaritan and John the Baptist and Mercy Center and more. The Geneva Convention would be formed to alleviate suffering in the world, and the symbol of the organization would be a large cross. Uh, 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 
over the red uh, blanket, and then it became known as the Red Cross, and then the Salvation Army, and then we would come to other Christian organizations like World Vision and Compassion International and Children's Hope Chest and others. And why is that? It's because Jesus has marked us not just to believe, but to actually do something with our faith and do it in an act of compassion. And sure, we oftentimes fall short. We don't like some things that we do, and we are always going to be weak and frail, and, and we will be sinfully flawed, always will be all the way to heaven, and yet it's our compassion that makes a measurable difference in a world. Even in our failures, we are so convinced that following Jesus is good. It's not just, it is not just good for other people, but it's even good for our own souls when we follow him and live out our faith because he has touched our world and touched our values and our compassion. He has somehow tenderized us. And that even has tapped the mind, institutions of education and law. We love God, not just with our hearts, but we love him with our minds. And it was churches that would build schools, and then there'd be the rise of Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. They were called universities, una, one, versity, verity. It would be one thought, and that thought came under the lordship of Jesus, one center for truth. They were never called multiversities. They were always called universities. And it was, and by the way, all of those universities I just mentioned all started as God-honoring, Jesus-loving, faithful places of great, of great faith. Let me read you a quote. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and his studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. John chapter, three, verse, John chapter 17, verse 3. And therefore to lay Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of all sign, knowledge, and learning. And seeing the Lord only gives wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself to pray in secret to seek it from him, Proverbs chapter 2 and 3, end of quote. You know where that comes from? Those are from the rules and precepts of Harvard University in 1646. Harvard. My, how the mighty have, have wandered. They started and ended in those days, they started and ended their academic days in prayer and scripture reading. 92% of the universities in the U.S. were started by committed Christians. And the basis of truth, and though as Jesus is the one and only way, truth, and life. In education and laws, it goes not just in the U.S., but it goes around the world, because today missionaries will learn a language and give their lifetime to write it down and find a way to create an alphabet. And they will develop dictionaries and grammars and those missionaries are the heroes of the day. And why do they do it? Because Jesus has changed their lives. And they took the words of Jesus so seriously to go into the, good, into the world and preach the good news. Today, the gospel is translated into some 2,200 languages. There's only 200 nations. Think about it. So some of the nations have several different languages. and Some have 100 different languages. And yet it's the Christians who are doing the translation work. And why is that? Because we've been tapped touched, marked somehow by this person, Jesus, who's not there as a political figure, had no really con uh, contacts with the Sanhedrin or with Rome. He was not part of the military force. He had no st uh, uh, stature in the community. He never wrote a book, never was a published author, never traveled far from his home. 
maybe a day's distance away, maybe two at the most, but his followers were seen as less than rising stars, and yet his followers are described as unschooled people, ordinary, ordinary people. And yet nations have modeled their laws uh, after where? After Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount, the Ten Commandments. They've all been a measuring guide for many, many countries. We can't get away from the fact this man, Jesus, changed our world. He marked us. He changed political theory and human rights and declaration of independence. These things being self-evident. How do you know they're self-evident? Because God, in the authority of his word, in our hearts, tells us right from wrong. Where did that idea come from? That comes from God himself through his son, Jesus, to turn the other cheek, to love your enemy, and to bless and not curse. Jesus challenged us not just to love our friends, but to even love our enemies. Those people who don't think like us or act like us, don't accept us. And he taught us that we change our world by addressing our own heart issues. And that's really the lasting legacy. Jesus changed the way we view life. He taught us to live for something more than what is here and now. He taught us that he has changed the world, but he didn't just change the world, he changed our world. He changed my world. He changed your world. And when we trust in him, he doesn't just change the world in a general sense. He changes the way we do life. Romans chapter 8 puts it. We are no longer living under the condemnation when we're in Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing separates us from the love of God. We can be people of great faith and confidence because we have been forgiven and we have hope for a better world not because it's a better place but because Jesus was here and now Jesus is in us living himself out through us and we can risk the risk of love because we know that we're held by the Father in heaven and when Jesus said I am the way, the truth and the life it may have been one of the greatest understatements ever made because he changed the course of all of life Get this, he is the hinge of history. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the help of the hurting. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He is the greatest teacher, the greatest life coach, the greatest authority in life that ever lived. And he offered the greatest gift ever given and he sparked the greatest revolu uh, revolution, the greatest movement ever spread. And who is this man? It is Jesus. He marks us. When you trust him in personal faith, when you follow him every day of the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we're about to pray. And as we do, I, I don't want to miss out on this moment. And this could be your moment. For you, you may have always seen Jesus as maybe a wonderful person or someone that we honor every so often. But now it's making sense to you that Jesus wants to be in your life and you, you want to trust him. I, I promise you, I, there's no bait and switch to this. You maybe have been to other places where that has happened. Uh, nothing like that here. 
I'm not going to embarrass you. I just, what I want you to do is help you. I, I'll walk through a prayer with you. And if it's your desire to follow the Lord, that you've never done that before, why don't you just tell him right now, dear God in heaven, I, I'm seeing the need for Christ. And with all I know, I want to trust him to be my savior. I know I've sinned and I, I know I, I can't keep up. I can't have enough good overcome the bad. This can't happen. And I'm starting to see that Christ died for my sins. And so today I trust him to be my savior. Perhaps for you, the, the issue is uh, more complex because you've trusted Christ but you have been uh, not really following him. And it's, it's no mistake that you're here right now in this moment. And I don't want the moment to get away from you. But this is your day to say, okay, God, I have trusted Christ and I know he's in me, but I have been so lousy at following so uh, help me, oh God, to follow, to s strike the stuff that keeps me from following Jesus and to make him the king of my life, the CEO. You know, there's, like, uh, there's a struggle that your own flesh wants to be in control that's pretty normal and so if you're feeling that know that the people around you pray because they, they know too that, that struggle themselves but there's a freedom to knowing you're under the, not only the lordship of Christ but his protection, his blessing his guidance, his power because he'll, he'll transform your life if you'll allow him and so th that's your prayer God, change me as I follow you. And I want to do that to your glory. And Father in heaven, uh, this Jesus has marked our lives. And we want to follow him all the days of our lives. Because he has changed history and he'll, he'll change our lives as we follow and get us ready for heaven. So may we be the people, we pray, who honor him every day, every moment. Bless and keep these wonderful people in your good hand of grace. In Jesus' name, we pray. The church says, amen.